0: What the whole lesson is about today and the words that he said. But I want to share something with you. What Bobby was talking about with his father and that word yonder. Yonder's always been one of my words, too, and holler and crick and all of that sort of things. I know all of those. But Jesus must have been a South Sider too, you know why? Because in uh, Matthew 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. So, King James Version, yonder, from... from (laughs) Jesus was a south sider of Jerusalem. Yes, he was. Good to see everybody here. If you would, open your word of God today to Revelation chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 17. While you're turning there, got a tell you about something I heard this week and kind of goes along with kind of the theme that we just had with songs and with with Delbert passing away and stuff was that um, there was a a husband and wife who her mother had uh, always been on a a mission to want to go and see Jerusalem and walk where Jesus did and see where he was had ministered at and so finally one day for her birthday they decided that that they was going to, to spring that as a trip for her. And so they did, and it was a 14-day tour, and they was over there, and they was having a great time. And about the day before they were to come home, she passed away. And so he was talking and getting counsel from the consulate there as to what um, steps needed to be taken. And they said, well, we can have her shipped home for you. That's probably in the neighborhood of thirty five to $40,000 dollars. Or we have plots here that um, for just times like this that we do in benevolence type of a situation, and for five or $600, we can have a really nice ceremony here. Well, he got to thinking about it, and he thought about it. <laughs> You're laughing already. You probably know it. <laughs> he got to thinking hard about it, and he finally said, no, we're going to ship her home. The consulate guy looked at him and said, ship her home? Why... Why'd you make that decision? He said, well, I've been listening while we were on tour here, and I heard that y'all buried someone here, and they arose in three days and came back. I can't take that chance with her, that happening. So I'm going to take her back home with me. So that that was what I heard this week. But if you're there with me in, in Revelation chapter 3, he, he needed counsel, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he needed something. Um, but people today, boy, in the last couple of decades, counsel and people to help people with all kinds of things. I mean, I remember in school, I had a counselor to help you with what you should take and what you were supposed to be good at. And I mean, we have it for everything. How many times, though, have you said to yourself, man, I wish Jesus could be here and be my counselor. You know, I wish I could just talk with him and, and listen to what he had to say and that he could counsel me in the things in any direction that I needed to have. And if, if that's what you have thought, then you're in luck. I've got good news for you today. Because Jesus wants to be your counselor. He wants to be your personal counselor and guide for life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that the Word of God... Is the mind of Christ. So everything that we have in this book. Is his mind. It's his counsel. It's his wisdom. For us. As we saw the other day. Everything pertaining to life and to godliness. And so as we get ready to start reading in Revelation chapter 3. Beginning at verse 17. Pay particular close attention to verse 18. Because there he's going to say. I am counseling you. See he wants and desires To be our personal counselor and guide for life. So 17 begins this way. Because you have said, I am rich and have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. You do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. Therefore I counsel you, he says in verse 18, to buy from me gold that's been refined in the fire That you might be rich. And white garments. That you could be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness is not revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve. That you may see. Why is he giving this counsel? And why does he give any counsel that we're going to see? Look at the next verse. As many as I love. You see this is all about love. And about his love for us. And what he knows our tendencies. He knows what we are and that things of life get to us he says because I love you I have to tell you these things I rebuke and chasten therefore my desire for you is to be zealous and repent and that word means to change your mind and your walk behold I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and dine with him and he with me and here's our promise. To him who overcomes. I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Just the same way that I overcame. And I was able to sit down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear. Let him hear what the spirit is saying to us. The churches. Oh, Laodicea. His church there. He, he loved them. He wanted to give them counsel. He knew that this was a prosperous city at this time. There was about 600,000 people at Laodicea. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about some of the things that they had. They had a water problem, didn't they? That they didn't have a lot of fresh water, so they piped it in from hot springs several miles away, and they built this ingenious uh, system to get it there. But when it arrived, it was always lukewarm and filled with minerals, and it would make People sick that visited there and so they did have three things going and one of them was they turned that water situation into a medicinal property they built a medical center so that those who would come with illnesses could drink of the water for a couple of weeks and that would purge them of their illness because they would you know get rid of everything that they had basically the second thing they had going for them was a sheep industry. And most of the places here that we've studied have had a sheep industry. Theirs is a little different though because they had black sheep instead of white. The other places had the regular wool and they would color them and make the garments. Theirs was white and they had the darker colored. And therefore the tongue and cheek um, verse there that the Lord says to them on clothe yourself with white garments because they were known for their dark garments. And then the last thing that they had going for them was this thing called Phrygian powder. And Phrygian powder was a clay that was dug up and when it was mixed with liquid, you could make like little mud packs with it and they would put it on their eyes and it had healing properties for their eyes. And so the doctors at the medical center had come up with this And people came from far and wide to have this powder. Now, this powder came from a place called Phrygia, so therefore, their cunning name for it as Phrygian powder. And the Lord says there, uh, in our verse that we just studied, "I want you." That's why He referred to that: anoint your eyes with salve, because that was one of the things that they had going for him at that center. People came from far and wide. To be anointed with that. And I can't help but think. Since John. Was the writer of the gospel of John. And then he's also the Lord's penman here for revelation. That things were clicking in John's mind as he wrote this though. Because if you stop and think in John chapter 9. He wrote about a man that we're introduced of. As called one who was born blind. And as. The disciples and Jesus is walking through. This man was begging out in the street. He was poor and he was beggarly because he was blind and couldn't work. And as they passed by, the Lord, uh, the, the disciples said to the Lord, Why is this man blind? Was it because of something he did or was it from his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus said it wasn't from either one. This man was born blind so that the works and the glory of God can be manifest with him. And so then he, he took the man aside. And you know what Jesus did? He spit on the ground. And he took the dirt and mixed it with the spit and made a clay. And he took the clay and he anointed the man's eyes with it. And when he had put it on his eyes, he said, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And come back seeing. And the man did exactly what Jesus told him to do. And he went and washed in the pool of Siloam. And he could see. And as he returned. All of the people of the village that knew him. Said hey what happened here. You, we've seen you every day since you've been born. And now you can see what changed. And he said a man named Jesus took his spit and dirt and put it on my eyes and told me to go and wash. And now I see. And that's all I know. And so, you think that's a pretty, pretty unlikely way of getting healed though, don't you? Of having a spit mud pack put on your eyes. But think about this. Adam, man, was created from what? Dust of the ground. And we, our body is chemical elements of the ground and liquid, aren't we? Mainly water that makes up all of us. So, why wouldn't it surprise us that the things that come from the ground would help heal us because that's what we're made of? But the point that we need to see here is that the man was poor, he was begging, and he was blind. And when he did what Jesus told him to do, he could see. And he came back seeing. And that's where we are with the people here at Laodicea. They are spiritually blind. They've been blessed. They had been walking strong with God and God had blessed them in such a way. And then by the time that they say, Now I have need of nothing. They shut the door on our Lord. That's what he's going to stand at the door and knock here in a little bit. Because when they said, I have need of nothing, the word means to shut the door and leave out any other opportunity. So they have shut the door. And what Jesus is telling them to do is what he told that man in John 9. You need to do something. You need to anoint your eyes. That's what he tells them there in verses 17 and 18. Anoint your eyes with your eye salve so that you can really see spiritually... The condition that you're in because what you're doing is leading you away from me so then he says this i know what's happened life gets in the way a lot of times doesn't it i mean we're busy we have life we've got family we've got friends we've got responsibilities we've got kids we've got all different kinds of things spring is coming we've got mushroom hunting We've got yards to mow. We've got gardens to plow and plant and then to hoe and to tend. And, and we've got phones and tablets and computers with apps and games. And we've got social media. And Man, there's so many distractions in there. There's so many things that distract us from a walk with God. And what God is saying is when you say, man, I've got a lot of things and I don't have need of anything else and I don't have time for some of these other things, he's saying, slow down a minute. You're not seeing with my eyes and I want to anoint your eyes with ISAV. Eye um I know you love your family and you love life, but shouldn't you take a little bit of time for me who has really gave you all of the blessings of life that you have? Um, Most of the time, me, your Lord, is an afterthought. Most of the time, it involves a prayer as you fall asleep halfway through it as you're going to bed at night. I'm barely on your radar, church, if I can make it. My commission to you. What about that? You remember that? Go ye to all the world. And as you go, share the gospel with every creature Those who will hear and believe and will be baptized. Will be saved and brought into a relationship with me. How's that been working for us? This week? This year? How much time have we spent with that? You do share it right because you believe it. Don't you? Don't you believe that that's the most important message and decision that there is in life? Well if it is then shouldn't we give a little bit of effort towards that to those that we love and that we care about? That's why he's telling us in verse 18 of our text there in Revelation, I'm counseling you. I'm giving you advice. Take my advice. Here's some advice for you and for life and for people. And he wants to be that personal counselor to us when he says, I counsel you. You know, it was prophesied that he was going to be our counselor In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, most of the time we just see this during Christmas time, don't we? For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government will be upon His shoulder. But listen to His names. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Do you see all those designations? Our Lord is the mighty God who is the counselor, who is wonderful. And when you listen to his counsel, he's also your prince of peace and brings to you everlasting life and its everlasting father. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus having the keys of David and then he had the seven spirits of God upon him. And in chapter 11 of Isaiah in verse 2, it said that one of those uh, seven spirits that he had was the spirit of counsel and of might he's the mighty god and our counselor look at isaiah 28 and 29 up there on the board it says this also comes from the lord of hosts who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in his guidance for us you want a wonderful counselor who'll give you excellent guidance Here's your guy. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord is saying in our text that we just studied today, I want to be your counsel and I want you to do something for me. I want you to buy from me gold that's been refined in the fire. That is his excellent guidance and counsel. That's the first thing he says there for us. Now, why would he say all that? Because you think you already have prosperity. You've said that I am rich and have need of nothing else but you don't see the way I do. Put that salve on you and now listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you. He said, I want you to buy of me gold that's been refined in the fire. And what that is talking about is not the ore that's dug up but it's been refined. It's been tried and tested by fire so that the impurities and the dross comes off of it and what you have left is 100% Pure gold. And also the word here for this is not like gold bars. It is things made of gold that becomes priceless. Coins, jewelry. I would think that the candelabra that was in the temple that was made of solid gold. If you could have it today you couldn't put a price tag on it. Things that are made of gold and have meaning behind them become things that are worth more value than anything. And he says, that's what my word is. That's what my counsel to you is. Is things like refined gold that is put into something that you can't put a price tag upon. It's used for wealth. It's also used to set back for like your retirement. For an eternal home with him and that my friends is the word of god we saw last week that peter said that the word of god contains everything that pertains to life and godliness that we could want in psalm 12 it says the words of the lord are pure words they're like silver tried in a furnace of the earth that's been purified seven times psalm 19 and verse 7 through 11 I want you to listen to the description of the counsel of our Lord from his word. What it's like for us. The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. And the statutes of the Lord, they are right. It's rejoicing to the heart. The commandments of the Lord, they are pure. And they enlighten your eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So what do we do with this word? More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, much fine gold like has been refined in the fire. Sweeter also are my words than honey. Yea, honey from the honeycomb. Moreover, by my counsel and by these words, your servant is warned, but is also in keeping them, there is great reward. And look at all of the descriptive words up there that the Holy Spirit is using towards the Word of God as the counsel of life for us in judgments and statutes and laws. It's to make you happy, it's to make you rejoice, it's to enlighten your eyes. It's to, they're perfect, they're wise, they rejoice you. So make them your number one desire of life and for living. Desire them more than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey. And in keeping them, you have a great reward. He's saying, don't be deceived, don't be distracted by this world and the things that we have. That allows us to get distracted away from what our true goal and mission in life is. He says, man, my children in Laodicea and here in Perrigan. My children, I, I want you to be blessed. But I don't want those blessings to be a curse for you. And to distract you from the things of this life. Slow down. Seek what is really true wealth for your soul. And for your eternal reward. Take of this gold. Look at Proverbs 30 and verse 5 up there. It says this Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those, a protector to those who will trust in Him. So He's saying, I implore you as my children to listen to the counsel, to store these things up. They are pure, refined, tested, and tried. Do you know that for thousands and thousands of years, Satan, his demons, and all of the people of this world who serve him and do not serve God, they have tested and tried the word of God by fire to find one fault, one flaw, one thing that's not true. And it's never happened. And that's why he can say with assuredly, My word has been tested by fire, it is refined, it is pure, there is no dross, there is no untruth in it. It is what you store up to provide for your eternal future. Listen to my counsel, if you would please. Then he says, I'm going to give you some applications of my counsel, some parables. So let's look at a couple of parables of Jesus as we get ready to descend this thing today. And see what some of this counsel that he says I counsel you on this life is. The first one is Luke 12. And in Luke 12, this one is kind of constructive criticism. And it's kind of based right at the people at Laodicea. And what they were doing and what they were trusting in in life. And beginning in verse 16, it goes like this. Jesus spoke a parable to them and he said, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he taught, thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I don't have any more room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns that I have, and I will build bigger barns, and I will store it up, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry, have a good time. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then, whose will all of those things be that you have provided for yourself? And so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And that's what he's trying to get the layout of sins to see. They're saying, I have everything I need. I'm building bigger barns and I'm not going to have need of anything. And he's saying, whoa, slow down. Don't you know that Everything that you have, even your breath of life, comes from me. So be rich toward me and think towards me as you get these things. The challenge is not to get trapped and wrapped up by them. The counsel of Jesus was a constructive illustration. Let's look at a couple now that is a little more positive towards the word of God as it leads to things that are valuable like our eternal life. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking about a focus on the kingdom of God and not on the things of our life right now. And he begins that discussion with his disciples in verse 44 and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in a field. And the man, he's looking to buy this field and he finds this treasure buried there. He goes and sells everything that he has from this life to get that treasure That he has in that field. That's how important that was. And then again in verse 45. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. Who deals with pearls. And he found an extreme pearl of great price. And he went and sold everything that he had. To be able to have that pearl of great price. The contrast there. Is from building bigger barns. Into what it is relating is is not to let this life and its things be your motivating guide. But my motivating guide should be the kingdom of God. His righteousness. And then that will lead to eternal life with Him. That is what is important. So that's the conflict between the two here. of Building barns or taking that this life means nothing if I can get the pearl of great price. Or the field that has the treasure in it. And that's one of the things that you sacrifice a little bit of your tena- now of yourself. Because we have what? Died to Christ. So our life is not our own. We've been purchased. And he says, also if you will do what I say. If you will listen to my counsel. It's a win-win situation for you and I. Because in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. I promise you. Here's a promise. I promise you. That if you will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that all of these things will be added to you anyway. So you see how it's a win-win situation when the focus that you have is in the right place? The context of that was like that old song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Because he was talking about the birds of the air. They don't till the ground. They don't plant and they don't reap. You know what they do all day? They flitter and flutter around as they're singing and praising God and finding the blessings that he's planted there for their food. The lilies of the field was another thing that he said leading up to this. They toil not. They don't sow. But you know what? Solomon, who was the richest man in the world, the Bible says, was not arrayed like one of these flowers. Even when he was at the top of his game. So what he's saying is. Is that the thing that is important. Is not what you think it is. And not what the world makes it out to be. The thing that is important. Is my kingdom and my blessings. And my righteousness is upon your life. And that was the thing behind. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And these things will be added to you. Not to be short sighted. With what we see today. For the long term goal. You know, when I went to work up at Indianapolis, the advisors, the counselors up there told me, we match 6% of your pay into the IRA. If you will start doing that now, by the time you can retire in 27 and a half years, you may be able to if you so desire. Many times I was tempted to stop doing that. Because I could have really used the extra money right now. There was, there was all kinds of things in life that would come up. But I didn't do it. I kept it in there and I kept focused for the future. And didn't sell my future like Esau did for a bowl of pottage for today. Because I kept telling myself, the more I have, the more I spend. And it would just go out as quick as I brought it in. It wouldn't really gain anything. So put it there and forget about it. And by trusting and doing that, I was able then, after 27 and a half years, to do what I really wanted to do, and that is to share the Word of God with you. And not be short-sighted on today's goal, but the future goal. And that's what Jesus is telling us here seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you invest in me I counsel you he said there in our text in Revelation I counsel you to buy from me things that are priceless your eternal future and rewards invest a little today a little tomorrow don't stop investing in what I have to offer you now the other side of the coin of these, these uh, parables of Jesus about the field with the treasure and the pearl of great price as we get ready to close. The very next verse is the third parable in line. After he's talking about how important it is to be focused upon not the things of today, but the future, the treasure and the pearl. Then he says this, the parable of the dragnet is the very next uh, verse and it says again... The kingdom of heaven is also like a dragnet that was cast to the, um, cast out. And when they gathered it in, they gathered some of every kind. In which when that net was full, they drew it to shore and they sat down and they gathered the good into vessels. But threw the bad away. So shall it be at the end of this age. The angels will come forth and they're going to separate the wicked from the just. And cast them into a furnace of fire. And there will be a wailing and gnashing of teeth. And look at verse 51. I had never noticed this verse. It had never stuck out to me until today. Whenever I was studying this. Jesus said to them. Have you understood all these things? And they replied to him. Yes Lord. Man that's pretty sobering isn't it? I had never seen that whenever he Laid this out and said, This is the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a pearl of great price. It's like a field with a treasure. And again, the reason you need to focus on your future and not on today, Laodicea, and you and I, is because there comes a time when the dragnet goes out and the Angels is going to make a separation, and those who listen to my counsel, I counsel you to purchase from me these things that are important. Those who listen to my counsel will receive that reward, but those who didn't listen to my counsel will be separated. And then he says, Do you understand what I'm telling you? Do you really understand? Do you get it? They said, Yes, Lord. He's telling that because he loves us and he knows what's on the other side. Just like the story with the dog that Bobby said. He just knew that his master's on the other side and I trust in these words that he loves me and that he's given them to me so that I will trust in him and I will make him first in my life. He said, do you understand? They said, yes, Lord. I pray that you and I understand as well. So let's go to him in prayer. And Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, who denied Himself and thought it not something to be grasped at to be God, but to deny that and to come to this earth and to be born as a human being and to suffer and to to see what life was like and then to be our counselor as one who's been on both sides of the fence. He's been in heaven and He's been on earth. And He counsels us, Please listen to my words and buy from me. Purchase for me the things that are pure gold. Trust in what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that man on the other side. There's a pearl of great price. There's a treasure. There's more than what your heart can even imagine. It says in one place. So he says I, I pray that you'll trust in me. And not get caught up in the things of this life. Because it's so easy to do. I know I've been there with you. And Father we thank you for these words of comfort. These words of love. And these words of truth. And we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.